0: This episode of TOEFOP is brought to you by Movement Sunglasses.
1: Did I trick you? Did you pause as if I was going to be surprised by yeah, the I fact thought, that I it was you were going to Sunglasses with... rather than watches? Yeah. Were you surprised? Was it, did I get you? I knew it was going to be one of the two. I knew it was going to be either sunglasses or watches. If you'd been like, Movement, four-wheel drive, <laughs> that would have surprised me. Movement bowels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bowel movements? This episode of TOEFOP is brought to you by Bow movements, but also movement sunglasses. Join the movement. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
0: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
1: The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. and relax, this is ToeFop, I'm Charlie Clawson I'm Will Anderson and uh, well strap yourself in for what is going to be an excellent episode of this podcast because yeah. not only for once on a rare occasion are <laughs> Charlie and I are actually in the same room to do this podcast but secondly, as we were just about to start the podcast, you gave a little message to Mike Howe, our producer who normally listens in because we're on Skype on the World Wide Web but he is not here today because we are in person and you just said? It's going to be a great show Mike Howe." <laughs> Enjoy.
0: You're welcome in advance. got going to go on with confidence, Will.
1: What is the purpose of saying that to him, though? Because he's going to listen to it regardless. So
0: I think that considering the amount of stuff he cuts... For it's not sense, like
1: he's not going to edit the podcast if you've just gone, you know, it's going to be a shit show or whatever. No, he has I, to listen regardless. I
0: think it's what I'm doing is... Because he cuts so much stuff. He cuts this show. He cuts philosophy. He cuts Two Guys, One Cup. That's an awful lot of us to listen to and i imagine that sometimes he can just sort of like you know tune out Never. so i think it's important that we just give him little nuggets along the way just to make sure he's listening you know like that was a nice one but we could also plant some other message in there we will know if he's listened to the whole thing if we put like a secret message in there that he has to answer
1: well here's the other thing like because if that was the purpose of what you were saying you did do it at the wrong spot. Yeah, good Because of the the all the places where he's probably having a listen in, it would be to the initial thing you said on the podcast. Yeah, but I think
0: we, but we want... Like, to. if he's
1: not listening to that bit... No, but we want to ensure he's doing his job.
0: So, if we put it too far at the end... Do, like do you a, have doubts that he's doing his job? No, but I just think it's... Like, if I was him, I would want little, like, you know, bits of acknowledgement. Otherwise, it's Has he so said that to you at any stage? No. I'm talking from my point of view, Will. If yeah. I was if, the, if I was doing this job, I would want the guys... That i'm working with to occasionally like just give a little interpersonal connection
1: but wouldn't it be then if that was the purpose of it wouldn't it be better to say something like you're doing a good job hey mike how we miss you it'll be weird to do it without you like you know make it about him rather than about us and the fact that we were about to do a really good episode, yeah.
0: But isn't there like if I was being true to like what friends do and you bust balls and all that kind of stuff? Like I'm big noting myself. Okay, uh, so
1: now you're busting his balls.
0: Not really. This busting is a very complicated thing, thing that, that you've balls. done. I'm saying you're complimenting, him, saying you're complimenting way, him and busting his way balls. the way males uh, interact tends to be like there's a lot of kind of chest puffing
1: and stuff. It's right. kind of a, it's, you know, when someone so you were peacocking or something. I was peacocking, you? but you know how like you know you, <laughs> that was so your equivalent of you, wearing a fedora to a bar. And, and telling a girl that she's ugly.
0: Have you ever had someone insult you, and then someone says, "Oh, he must like you because he only does that to people
1: he does, he likes." I mean, imagine if, as a comedian, <laughs> I took that approach. <laughs> every time somebody was critical and told me, you know, you know that guy on the internet's only saying that you're not funny and you've never been funny because he really likes you. Yeah, he really likes you. <laughs> he only you. says that to his best friends. <laughs> the comedians negging, he likes. He's negging you. Nagging you. Imagine if I took every insult I got on the internet as flirting. <laughs> Not even just flirting, just some kind of like...
0: Well, isn't that what narcissism is or megalomania is? Is that, you know, you have a way of flipping any situation. It's like Homer, you know, when Homer looks in the mirror and he, and he sees the muscle man flexing the pecs. Like, I think, isn't that what narcissism is? That you just don't hear criticism?
1: Like, you just like hearing your name. Oh, they're talking about me on Twitter. Yeah, but that's different to like taking it as a compliment, isn't it? Or is, or is it not? Is it the same thing you're saying?
0: Well, I think that, I don't know. I think the fact, it would depend on the level of narcissism, but the fact that you're being spoken about is the compliment. The fact that you are foremost in someone's mind, even if it's like as an irritation, you are not funny. You've never done anything of any worth ever. And
1: it's like, well, (laughs) occupying real estate in your head. Yeah, look at this guy. All about me. (laughs) All obsessed with how shit I am. Well, he actually loves me.
0: I mean, that seems like quite a transcendent attitude to take. Maybe we should all... Trying to adopt that attitude. Take every insult as a compliment. Well, just kind of,
1: you know, we've, sp- we've spoken on this podcast about how grumpy I'm. It's been. like, you're a bad driver. It's like, it's nice he's thinking about the way I drive. Yeah, like we've been speaking. <laughs> it's like... good he's invested in the, in my driving abilities. You know, no matter what the assessment is, I just, I'm just glad yeah. he's taken the time to consider me as a human being and how I drive. Well, I think, you know, I've been getting
0: grumpy lately. That's been documented on the podcast. Mm. And I think that, I always leave those confrontations with a sense of regret and a wish that I had been, you know, more fluid in that situation. Like, you know, someone who doesn't buy into that stuff. And I think if there is a way of cognitively reframing conflict in a way that sort of doesn't make you react, even if someone is being just like coarsely insulting to you just to be like, I don't know, like a scientist, just disseminating what they've said and finding something in it that explains it to you in a way that's satisfactory as opposed to getting emotional And then you know, turning the microscope on yourself and being like, "Well, maybe I really am like hopeless. Maybe that person is saying something like that." To me, would be a good state of mind.
1: Or if somebody, so if somebody said, "Hey, mate, you're a dickhead," Mm. you go, "Oh, well, you know what? That's actually good because everybody's a dickhead, and I'm see, I'm. It's good that this person sees me as." A flawed human individual. Yeah, yeah. He sees the dickhead inside me that I know I'm a dickhead. Yeah, I know all the dickhead things that I do day to day. It's actually too much pressure to go out into the world and have to pretend that you're perfect or good yeah. or you've these sort of things saved all the time. Me a lot of Thanks, anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, you. exactly. I have. I can stop pretending that I'm perfect because you've already recognized that I'm a dickhead. So therefore, I don't have to feel bad that in this conversation I'll say anything that makes you think I'm a dickhead because yeah. you
0: already think I'm a dickhead. That's amazing. I mean, that is a yeah that. That is a a person who is a, what would you say? Like a, a, a like a an eternal optimist. Mm. Someone who just does not get
1: rattled. Only sees the bright side of
0: things. Yeah. Like, and you know. There All are, glass half full. I mean, I guess you've got to do it in a way. The only way to integrate that into your personality and not like go overbalance is you still need to be able to take lessons from criticism. It's just not about getting emotional or reactive or shutting down from the criticism. You know what I mean? So it's not like. If someone says you're a dickhead, your response is right, but you wouldn't be like, oh, maybe I'm being a dickhead. Maybe I should check my behavior. maybe Because I think that, that causes retreat, whereas your method to me makes much more sense, which is like, oh, no, there's a universality to this insult. He's not just insulting me. He's insulting all of us for our capacity to maybe be insensitive or obnoxious or whatever, which is something that we all share. It's a bonding it's a bonding experience. Yeah, he calls
1: me a dickhead, and I'm like, I am a dickhead. Yeah, and a then dickhead. somebody behind me stands up and goes, I am a dickhead. Yeah. And then someone on the other side of the room is like, no, no, I am a dickhead. So you'd
0: say a whole group of people become erect as yeah. they declare this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if you lived in a world where you took every bit of negative feedback as positive reinforcement, you couldn't – it might be difficult to improve. Like it might be difficult to get the direct and necessary feedback that we all need. All of us at different times. It's, yeah, I guess it's that idea of like, you know, if you raise your kid with, you know, saying yes to everything that they want to do, they don't learn to have the boundaries you actually need to, to be an adult and live in the world and these sort of things. Yeah. So I guess it's the, my,
0: well, my brother talks about this. He's a high school teacher and He's a total lefty SJW, but he talks about the issue with participation medals. And he says he sees it all the time with students of his where they are led to believe that, you know, there's nothing that they can't achieve and anything they want. And then when they get a mark that they don't like or they don't, you know, get picked for the team or whatever, the parents suddenly get involved. And then he's on the phone to an angry parent who's accusing him of, you know, holding their brilliant child back. And what he wants to say is, well, they're not brilliant. They may be. At some point, but at this stage, they're not. Maybe this should be
1: a chance for them to kind of work harder to get what they want. Yeah, exactly. By the measure of the test that we have put in place, they have failed that test. Yeah. And unfortunately, or fortunately, or whatever it is, it's actually just life. Life is a series of those sort of tests, regardless of the fairness or otherwise of them. Yeah. Like that's the thing that you're kind of being taught at school, isn't it? It's not actually that there's some way of you getting smart enough or good enough at things that you will never fail the test. It's more about the idea that there will be a series of tests. Some of them will mean something, some of them won't mean something and you'll do better or worse at at the tests as you go. Yeah,
0: and it also helps you kind of uh, design where you want to go well I guess that
1: would be a more positive way then say as a parent and you know I often think that parents love to get advice from people who don't have children (laughs) about how they should parent better but in that situation rather than blaming the teacher or seeing it as some sort of failure use it as an opportunity to go well great We now have an opportunity to teach my kid about the idea of failure and Mm. that things aren't always going to work out how you want them to work out. And sometimes you're going to work as hard as you possibly can and there's just going to be other people who are better than you or more prepared than you or more ready on the day than you. And this is a moment that we can go, all right, well – You might not have learned as much about maths as you needed to know, but you might not even need that algebra in your life. Here's what you do need in your life. The capacity to come back from times when you've been disappointed or you failed or you haven't lived up to the standards that you were hoping for. So Mm. this actually is a victory because it would have been no victory for you to just get an A plus again. The victory is in learning how to to not get an A plus. But I found like
0: in high school, I had one great teacher in – uh, my fun year, fun two years at high school as my English lit teacher, and I always struggled I was always good at like humanities English history, all that kind of stuff but anything that was sort of scientific or mathematical, anything that had like a process that was definite i need I need flexibility in my answers Will. I need to be able to kind of write outside the margins, but I always sort of struggled and had to work really really hard and so I was quite good at maths when I was younger, but then I got to high school when it got much more difficult and I was really, really struggling. I was in like this supplementary class or whatever, you know, trying to keep up. And when it came to picking subjects for my final year of school, I was really like upset because I, I thought, well, I have to pick a science and I fucking hate them and I'm going to have to work extra hard. It's going to take time away from the subjects I do like. But you got to be good at science. Like, you know, that's, that's what the school has taught us is that, you know, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you've got to be good at maths, maths and science. And then I was talking to her about it, and she was like, "But why?" She's gone. Maybe you'll have a career that isn't involved with this kind of stuff. Maybe you should just choose subjects that you like, because that then you'll work harder. And it was one of those things where, rather than sort of saying, "Well, you have to be good at this," or "You are," uh, it's preordained that you know you'll just be good at this. Well, no, you're going to be bad at some stuff, but that's okay because that will help you choose what you want to do.
1: Yeah, I and also the idea. Sometimes I wish I could go back. I think about it quite a lot. I w- wish I could go back and tell myself as a kid to well, I know this crazy old
0: <laughs> scientist (laughs) he's bought some plutonium
1: the catch is you're gonna have to make your parents fuck well the two things the two things that i really want is to go back and learn french when i had the opportunity to do so rather than piss fart around all the fucking time in class for no real reason because i would really love to be able to speak french and you know i did like five years of french at high school and can't speak any french Mm. and secondly i would like you know I did four years of Latin, so... Of Latin? If, if, so if this time machine does work <laughs> and we go back to Rome, between <laughs> you and I, we're sorted. <laughs> yeah, as long as we go to somewhere go that, to the where French they Revolution. speak both French and, and, and communicate through Latin, that'll, that'll be fine. Um, I, can, I, I probably know more Latin than I know French, though, because right. our school motto was Veritas Liberabit Vos. Uh, the truth will set you free. Truth, freedom, you. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't know a lot of French. Oh it's my Parle- slogan, vous, Parlez-vous anglais, s'il vous plaît? Um, uh, yeah, je suis... Je, suis, uh, no,
0: uh, je m'appelle Charlie Clausen. Je suis Australian. <laughs> 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 I know, speaking another language would be... I mean, you could do it now, though,
1: couldn't you? Uh, as an adult, they say it's extremely difficult. Oh, really? But also, I don't really have the time now... You know, when I had the time, when I was at school and there was a class <laughs> where they were trying to teach me French. So why didn't it stick in school? You just didn't work hard enough? I found school boring. Right. I was definitely one of those kids who was not stimulated enough by, I found school pretty easy. Mm. Um, I didn't like, you know, I, I got pretty good marks at school and, but particularly up until about year 10, year 11, I, I, I found it really easy and then... I almost got to the point where I got a bit self sabotage about everything because I was just like, I, I'm not even buying into any of this now, right? Um, so I would just, inten- you, did you I would just intentionally
0: to go up a class to graduate early or something.
1: I was already young for my year, not right. young young, but I was like, I'm January, so I was already like, all, you were a 17. bunch of my, fr- yeah, I was seventeen when I finished high school. Right. A bunch of my friends, you know, Does that were suck, able to drink. S- yeah. Yeah. You can't drive or anything. Can't drive. Can't, can't drink and drive. Can't drink and drive. <laughs> The three things that you want to do when when you finish school. (laughs) Uh, In the country, they'll let you do two of the three, but not (laughs) not all three. Um, uh, Do you ever watch other people parent their children in public? Do you observe that? I was at the supermarket this morning and... uh, uh, I, I often find myself really eavesdropping on parents' conversations with their children. And there was so, there was a dad, there was a little girl, I don't know, I guess like two or something like that in the, in the shopping trolley, you know, where they put them in the the front basket, sort of bit of the shopping trolley. And then there was another daughter who I guess is like four. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Young kids, probably not school kids. And, one of them wanted, it was early in the morning and one of them wanted an ice cream. And she was telling her dad that she wanted an ice cream. She's like, dad, I want an ice cream. Dad, I want an ice cream. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, great. Step in. Great. I've got the premise sorted. Yeah. She wants an ice cream. He's trying to do the shopping with the two kids. Yeah. This is, yeah, you've I got need the to... objective,
0: you've got the obstacle.
1: Yeah, exactly. I want to see. It felt like it was a class. Yeah. It felt like they were giving you a demonstration of, here's a typical parenting moment yeah, yeah, yeah. that you might have to deal with. Yeah. Let's see. You get up here and you t- show us how you do it yeah. and then we'll tell you how you yeah, should do it. Some have had corporate the,
0: like, training exercise and they bring in two actors except the one playing Little Girl is actually like a 35 year old nighter. Yeah.
2: it's a, a like blo- <laughs> man does oh, I only play Little Girls. <laughs>
1: he's real good though. He's yeah. actually he's really you can't get a Little Girl. Yeah. Little Girl won't be able to do the lines properly. But Gary is brilliant at playing a little girl. Dakota Fanning
0: is actually a 45-year-old man. Everyone loves her in War of the Worlds. She was 36
1: when she made that. Hey, I should say. Um, So, um, yeah, so I'm in. And I'm in the perfect position to observe without it being too obvious that I'm observing. Mm. But the great thing, too, about a parent in that situation is they're so concentrating on what they're dealing with, that you can actually observe without them. With impunity. Yeah, because they just don't have the time or peripheral vision yeah. to include the fact they're being watched while this is going weirdo with big hair <laughs> leering at them from across the aisle. I've just got some food off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've opened a packet of popcorn. Yeah. I've just started eating it as I stare at You just at take a packet of
0: unpopped popcorn and just pass it to some guy who works. He says, could you just heat that up for me? <laughs> there a microwave in the tea room? Just heat that up for me. Right <laughs> you know here.
1: where I was? I was in the... Well, this makes sense Where she wanted an ice cream. So it was frozen foods and dairy section, right? right? So... What I was actually near was like mini yogurts. So what I could have done is got one of those little mini yogurts, you know, (laughs) that you're like, and I just imagine the idea of me peeling off the metallic lid of the yoghurt and then pouring whatever thing was into the the yoghurt. Quietly. (laughs) Just just eyes just fixed on them. (laughs) Just trying to do it like you're in the movies. Just a tiny plastic spoon. (laughs) Just taking. But trying to do it as quietly as possible.
0: (laughs) It's like you're shaking the granola out. You're like. (laughs) Just someone just walks past another shopper. It's like, what is that guy doing? (laughs) Slowly, just eating. You're like Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. When he's like, I'm absolutely motionless. (laughs) He's like eating the banana or
1: whatever it is. You're Draxing it up. So, uh, Daddy, I want an ice cream. Daddy, I want an ice cream. She's staring at the ice creams over the other side. So, Mm. all right. So, Daddy, I want an ice cream. Kids in the, The other kid's in the basket. And I'm like, what is daddy going to say in this situation? Is he going to lose his shit? Is he going to get angry? She wasn't being like annoying, but she was like, you know, well, it depends on whether you're annoyed by a little girl saying she wants an ice cream over and over. Mm. And he says, well, I want an aeroplane. (laughs) Oh. So so I guess neither of us are going to get what we want. That's brilliant. (laughs) Is that where you stood and applauded? (laughs) I put down my yoga. Bravo. They just turn around. Got the tiny plastic spoon still in my mouth. I'm just clapping, just, just standing and slow clapping. You're just like that Orson Welles meme from like Citizen Kane, just like that really stern, <laughs> aggressive clap. So um, kid, so I'm like, oh, well, that's bold. Yeah. I love that. That's like, that's front foot. And also it, the kid's got to think about it. So yeah. you bought yourself some time. Right. Kid buys it 100% as a good argument from dad. Oh, really? Yeah. Kid's just like, fair enough, dad. Oh, oh, you have put that into perspective in a way that I understand. Touche, father. Amazing. <laughs> and then uh, little a girl, little who I don't think could comprehend the level of the conversation and interaction that's just happened, has just then with her hands like made a little signal of an aeroplane and then gone to... Dad, here's an aeroplane. And then said to her little sister, here's an ice cream. And then they just got on with being a family. And I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? That's amazing. It was like the whole thing... From start to finish, was like a masterclass in what a family would be. It's a masterclass in writing a domestic scene.
0: It's like something from a Spielberg film. You know how like Spielberg yeah. loves having little family moments. Just like- some
1: establishing moment in a disaster film. Yes, about the nature of their family. As, soon as you walk out of that supermarket, yeah. alien ships land. Yeah, start blowing up the street. Right, but luckily, Dad's
0: got an aeroplane. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And the aliens are actually allergic to ice cream. <laughs> So when the little girl finally gets her ice cream and she's finally got what she wants, but she sacrifices it to shove it oh. in the face of the head martian
1: <laughs> to save the day. And we call it War of the Woolworths. <laughs> I mean, we can we've come up with a really good idea. We can take a day to come up with a better title. Screen to shit, mate. Product placement. We should order Woolworths. Um Yeah, but Woolworths isn't an
0: international brand doesn't matter, make it, it makes it more specific. It's like it's like when you did Shaun and the Dead, you did like a Romero zombie film, but in London. I think you do War of the Worlds, but in Australia and you just include all those Australian references. You just embrace it.
1: Well, what about War of the Worlds, comma, down under? <laughs> <laughs> do you
2: remember the,
0: what
1: was that phase in the 80s? Do you
0: remember where it felt like every sitcom would do a down under a episode. Ed- I think it must have been around Crocodile Dundee era when we were trendy for a second, and it felt like
1: I felt like the facts of life came down under. In fact, can we just we'll Google Google down, down under, under down under episodes what? TV. there's definitely there would be from memory. I reckon Quigley. Do you remember Quigley? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that was Quigley a down under. There was an Are you being served? I reckon. A murder or, she wrote. Maybe a murder she wrote.
0: So what, do I, what am I Googling? Um, uh, down under TV shows.
1: Uh, TV.
0: Down, down, down under episodes. Of, yeah, down, down, down under, under episodes TV of
1: specials. It's actually a hard one to Google.
2: <laughs> Hello, everyone. Mike Howe here. At this point in the show. Will and Charlie spend several minutes completely forgetting how to use the internet. It then occurs to them that this is a task I usually complete for them.
0: This is normally where Mike Howell (laughs) would search for us and we could keep talking.
2: Down under. I'll spare you, dear listener, the nearly five minutes of silence as two men in their forties struggle with Google. Then our heroes make a startling discovery. Wurzel Gummage Down Under.
1: They did a Wurzel
2: Gummage they Down Under? They
1: certainly did. How the fuck did they do Wurzel Gummage Down Under? How is Wurzel traveling? Oh, but He's, he's, he's a, a scarecrow. He, the
0: continued adventures of the magic scarecrow, only this time he's in New Zealand.
1: <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> so, what? Well, I'd love to the see the establishing episode of that. Like, just, has Wurzel just moved? How does a scarecrow get like a passport and stuff? Uh, How does he travel internationally? (laughs) I have so many questions about how Wurzel Gummidge gets to New Zealand. Or is it just a like New Zealand version of Wurzel Gummidge? No, it seems to be the same cast
0: as in the 80s. When was the original? Because also
1: Wurzel Gummidge sounds much more like a Kiwi name to me. Like, if I met someone from New Zealand and they were like, oh, my name's Wurzel, yeah, Wurzel Gummidge. you think they're trying to say Wesley or something. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. He's, it sounds right.
0: like Wurzel Gummidge, but I guess it's like Wesley Garage. Wikipedia doesn't have much information, but it's the same cast, okay. Sean Pertwee. Wurzel Gummidge down under is a television series of blah, 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 blah. Um, The story continued in New Zealand when Aunt Sally sold a museum to an, sold to a, was sold to a museum owner. Okay, Aunt Sally was his girlfriend. I
1: think, wasn't it? Oh,
0: and what was she, a scarecrow too?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Oh, we've been through this before, definitely. Previously. We've talked about Wurzel Gummidge, but I don't yeah. think we. We've... I thought Aunt Sally was his girlfriend. They but made maybe. two series of this
0: from 1987 to 1989. And there's a DVD four pack and a Christmas special. Why
1: New Zealand? Why New Zealand in the 80s? Maybe they had some cutting edge Gummidge uh, technology. You know, it was maybe early Peter Jackson. Before he had, like, Weta Studios, he was working on sort of, like, you know, Gummidge <laughs> like he's That was before he did Braindead. Yeah. He did Whirlsville Gummidge Down
0: Under. All right. What about the Facts of Life Down Under? Do you remember what the Facts of Life was about? I don't, know. I don't, okay. I seem to remember there was a Family Ties episode, but I don't think it was Australia. I think they went to Europe. And what was the mum from Family Ties called? Was it Marianne? Marjorie? She Marjorie? Got, she got involved in a, like, it's always an espionage thing. She oh. picked up a wrong suitcase from the airport. And the facts of life down under is not coming. Well, we're going to take a little break from the show to talk about our great sponsor, Movement Sunglasses. Okay,
1: let's talk about them then. So, well, seeing we've taken a break, we may as well talk about Movement Sunglasses. Well, It'd be weird if we just took a break and then just, like, sat in silence. Checked our phones. at each other. <laughs> <laughs> just just five minutes of silence
0: and then movement get
1: back to us We're and gonna say, take a break from our podcast to listen to another podcast <laughs> in silence we're both going to put in our headphones and choose another podcast to listen to for five minutes while we stare each other directly in the eye
0: <laughs> and ironically that's the one that movement are like we really like that latest ad read it's the best one you've done yeah.
1: It's really good. It actually made me, It actually does make me want sunglasses. The idea of having to stare you directly in the eye as I listen to another podcast and you listen to another podcast would only be made bearable by the fact that we were both wearing movement sunglasses. Oh,
0: that's what we should do, is we should have a poker match. I mean, we're doing this via Skype. We should have a poker game via Skype where we're both wearing movement sunglasses so we can't read each other's tells.
1: I mean, that would be, yeah, let's make it even more difficult to do this podcast. <laughs> it's not difficult enough that we have to do it over Skype with the lousy Australian internet. Let's also cover our eyes so that we can't make any eye contact at all. All
0: right. Now, i got to be honest with you. I have uh, only been, this is cop, this is copy that is hot off the presses from movement. So I think I, oh, I better fresh just copy. read it as is in case I, I miss anything. Okay. So, okay. <clears throat> as is Ansari? Yes. As is Ansari. Okay. You shouldn't have to choose between overpriced designer sunglasses and cheap shades that won't last you this summer. That's why aisle slash wheel never wear anything other than movement, pronounced movement, sunglasses. I should probably editorialize this a little bit in my head and not read it literally, right?
1: No, I love that. Aisle, that's you. Yeah. And we, you can speak for both of us. Okay. I agree with both of those. Both of those options are correct.
0: All right. Oh, no, I've closed the window. Oh, here we go. It's got the window there. Okay.
1: <laughs> is that in the coffee? No. <laughs> this is edgy new copy.
0: You've heard us talk about movement disrupting the watch industry. Well, now they're doing it again with sunglasses. The Los Angeles-based accessories brand has hundreds of premium affordable sunglasses and styles to choose from. So whether you're into more timeless shapes like classic round sunnies, your John Lennon types, I might say, or something that makes a statement like fun 90s skinny frames, they've got them all. They're constructed with durable acetate and lightweight materials that are perfect and a reliable fit, and you don't have to choose. So you don't have to choose between style and function. You get both, and with their free shipping and free returns policy, you can get as many styles as you want right from the comfort of your own home.
1: You won't need the free returns though. No, I, I, this is what I'm telling you. Free shipping, that's a good thing. Free returns unnecessary they're not losing a lot of money on free returns down at movement now here's
0: the issue well i actually uh you know i had my outlaw sunglasses uh my from movement the which Australian, were my I've heard they, you
1: bang on about them constantly they were
0: my favorite sunglasses i lost them i don't know where they went i think maybe oh. my outlaw behavior <laughs> maybe they were confiscated by the police they'll put in lockup my sunglasses are sitting in a jail cell because they were so outlawish
1: well or is there a chance that another outlaw has spotted those sunglasses and thought the only thing that would complete my outfit as an outlaw is if I nicked those uh, movement sunglasses and more for them because they're actually just affordable. They could have just bought it. Bought pick. them.
0: Well, I saw this Lorenzo Lamas type fella outside my apartment. He was sitting on a Harley shirtless with a leather vest, long hair. He had like a feather earring and I'm like, that guy looks like an outlaw. I better keep an eye <laughs> on my sunglasses.
1: That's why Movement are back on this podcast, Charlie, for those topical, on the cutting edge of the zeitgeist references.
0: But the good news is, well, I've ordered myself a new pair. I've got the Navigators. They're on their way. They are a still frame, square shape, and they're going to look real good on my
1: fat face. <laughs> and, that, yeah, and you didn't add that in. That's actually the copy that Movement sent us. Say they'll look real good on your fat face.
0: <laughs> and the best part is, Movement sunglasses all their styles come with a polarized lens option so you never have to worry about that harsh summer light which if you live in Australia like have you do you have polarized sunglasses
1: have you yes. tried the polarized revolution Oh, mate, like, come on. Like, you know, I've read a lot about climate change. I'm not going outside without some polarized sunglasses on.
0: It's the best, right? Like, I can only go polarized. If you don't have polarized sunglasses in Australia now, it just feels like you are inviting the sun. It feels like you're relaxing your retina to get those sunbeams into your eyeballs, which you don't want to do.
1: Yeah, you deserve not to be able to see. (laughs) If you you can't, you deserve to go blind from the awesome power of the sun because you can get an affordable polarized sunglass.
0: Now, Movement Sunglasses are affordable, Will. They start at just 60 bucks, and no pair 60? prices over $95. So you're guaranteed Baby. to find a style that you love with the quality that don't break the bank. They actually wrote, doesn't break the bank. I thought I'd make it sound a bit more colloquial and cool if I said, don't break the bank.
1: I was going to say that was terrible copywriting, but now that I realize you've improvised, I'm fine with it. They've sold over 2.5 million
0: products in more than 160 countries, and their collections are always expanding. Okay, now this is the important part. To get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns, returns that you won't need, you go to movement.com slash TOEFOP. That's movement.com slash TOEFOP. And why is that important, Will?
1: Because uh, if you put in a tofop, then uh, they know that we sent you.
0: Yeah. And that way they'll keep sponsoring
1: this show. Yeah. Which obviously <laughs> is happening or maybe they're not paying a lot of attention. But do it anyway see why movement keeps growing check out their expanding collection
0: today go to movement.com slash TOFOP and will what's the line join
1: the movement yes don't say with a question you know by now join the movement oh no that's a question still a question join the movement yeah (laughs) all right let's abandon that I actually brought an article in to talk about because well we'll know if Michael's paying attention because he'll have to basically cut most of what (laughs) just happened out (laughs) yeah
0: Keanu Reeves, we love him, the world loves him, everyone loves Keanu Reeves. I recently, um, like literally three days ago, watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey again and that film holds up. I still maintain that I think it is the better of the two Bill and Ted's films. Uh, It made me think too, it's almost a precursor to Rick and Morty. Like it has a lot of that same kind of sense of humour, interdimensional travel, interdimensions being out of space and, you know, the afterlife, hell and all that kind of stuff. So this is the nine essential Keanu Reeves movies you need to watch. Okay.
1: Uh, John this, Wick, John Wick 2, <laughs> John Wick 3, the forecoming John Wick 4, and then, I guess, you know, five others. Uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted's one, two, and the third one that's coming. Yeah, And then, to be honest, you can toss your coin on whatever else you want to watch. But that's pretty much what you want to watch.
0: So this is by uh, Wenley Ma in The Herald Sun. The nine essential Keanu Reeves movies you need to watch. Subheading: We're all loving Keanu Reeves right now.
1: And he's made... It a- occurred to me when everybody was doing their Keanu Reeves stories. Uh, somebody suggested, by the way, uh, the, uh, we were trying to come up with whatever the, what, Keanu-naissance ke- was ke- called. Renaissance. Renaissance. But somebody was also Reeves, Reeves-aissance. Reeves-aissance. Reeve-a- the Keanu Reeves-aissance. Do you put the S in? Reeves-aissance? Reeves-aissance. Renaissance. Mm reeves Sons. Anyway. reeves Sons. I, I was reading everybody's <laughs> stories about, you know, their encounters with Keanu Reeves. And I was like, oh, geez, I wish I had an encounter with Keanu Reeves. And then I remembered I have had an encounter with Keanu Reeves. I've had an encounter with Keanu Reeves. Uh, so for, so before we get to this then, I'm going to retell. I, I'm sure that I will have told this on the podcast a long time ago, but I'd forgotten it. So um, I drank the rest of Keanu Reeves' Bloody Mary once.
0: <clears throat> oh, I thought you were going to say tea. I hate when you fucking drink people's tea. It makes me feel sick.
1: It was the same thing, but a bloody mary. That I'm okay with because I feel the alcohol will kill bacteria. Like, you were in a cab today. You were on the airplane. Like, yeah. there's bacteria everywhere. I understand that. I understand, like, there's some hypocrisy to my <laughs>
0: statement, but it still grosses me out. <laughs> and I'm allowed to be grossed out by that. You should take that as a positive. <laughs> you should be like, Charlie's grossed out, but
1: I guess all human beings, you know, we all have functions which are repellent and it just unites us all. (laughs) Yeah, I'm grossed out by vomiting Yeah, and I should appreciate that when I'm grossed out by vomiting, Charlie's grossed out in the same way but me drinking other people's tea. (laughs) So, I I was at the, um, uh, the, that hotel that I lived at for three months, the Standard on Sunset and um, I was out by the pool and Keanu Reeves was at the table next to me, and um, I remember this very distinctly. So he sits down, he's by himself. It's probably about eleven o'clock in the morning. I would say very mm. sunny LA day, mm. out by the pool, and he's drinking a Bloody Mary. But there was a real incident with the person who was from the standard, who was just giving him a hard time about needing his credit card at the start. Like they wouldn't like get him the drink before he provided his credit card. And I was like, Did they not recognize him? Well, because in my head, I'm like, I don't think they ever asked me for my credit card up front. Like, they normally just would give you a bill at the end and assume that you would pay your bill, right? Yeah, I don't right?
0: think I've ever been asked for a credit card up front. It's yeah. any of those hotels in Hollywood.
1: But particularly Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He's fine for it. And even if he isn't, you'll be able to find him. But also, if Keanu, Keanu, Reeves. If Keanu Reeves wants to drink for free at your, like, for mm. everybody else there, it's worth it. Com Keanu Reeves a body Mary, but this is
0: pre John Wick. This might be Lake House Reeves, where people aren't as sweet on Reeves as they are now.
1: It was post Matrix, yeah, but there was anything post Matrix doesn't matter. Anything post-Matrix is... Matrix was like one of those things that made him a big enough superstar that he should never have to buy his own fucking Bloody Mary for the rest of his life. It's true. Well, but he wasn't even trying to not buy the Bloody Mary. (laughs) (laughs) He was just being held to an unrealistic expectation compared to every other ordinary person there. So what
0: was the specific issue? That his card wasn't working? That he didn't have a card on him?
1: No, the fact that this person was demanding it up front like right. he was like in, the, in you know if you're catching a cab at two o'clock in the morning on a saturday yeah. night they might occasionally ask you for the money up front essentially this person was doing that to keanu reeves in a way that just made him feel like do you not trust me yeah you think i'm gonna do a runner for a fucking bloody mary i'm keanu reeves i'm worth 500 million dollars you know anyway he wasn't but it was just a weird interaction and so
0: how did it resolve itself
1: well, he just gave his credit card in the end. like he, Right. No, you know, you know what he did? He paid for the drink and then he like signed the thing, paid for that one drink. And then he put his credit card back in his pocket and he left. Like it, clearly he was, you know, put whatever off. vibe he was going for had been put off by this interaction. Mm-hmm. So he'd left like half to two thirds of his Bloody Mary on the table next to me. And so I grabbed his Bloody Mary and drank the rest of his Bloody Mary. And did it taste different? Did it taste like
0: the Hawaiian breeze? Although well, he's Canadian, right? <laughs> did it
1: taste like a stiff, a stiff puck? Slapped at you by Wayne Gretzky. You know what it just made me feel like? Affection to my dog and my car. <laughs> I did not know why. It left a red pill and a blue pill and I had to choose which of them to take with the Bloody Mary. The but- funny
0: thing about these county stories, and you know, when you see him photographed, and even my encounter, is he's always on his own. Like, he doesn't seem to be... He has. There's no like a partner that we know of apart from obviously the one that, you know, passed away, but you don't really see him out with family or friends or anything like that. And when he's photographed, he tends to be just like sitting places, just like occupying space, not necessarily his riding his motorbike or whatever. It's just like, you know, on a park bench or walking down the street. I met him when he, I didn't meet him. I served him when he was in Sydney doing the matrix films. He came in, I was working in the cinema and I was working in the box office and he came out and bought a ticket and he was, it was, he was so nondescript, it almost took me by surprise. He just walked up, just looked like a dude. And it wasn't until I'd sort of handed over the ticket, that's like, oh, that's County Reeves." And then word sort of spread around the cinema because it was the middle of the day, it was quite quiet, nothing else for us to do. And so we did that thing of like, while the film was going, we're all running around like, oh, it's County, County, County. But then when he comes out, it's everyone's like, suddenly everyone's adopting a job, like you're cleaning the window or you're
1: scrubbing something, but you're really just keeping an eye on him. And in some ways that must be a bit what his life's always like. Yeah. It's like, a, like it. I mean, no wonder you're so good in The Matrix. He lives in The Matrix, yeah. Things are not quite what they seem. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone's patting, the minute he looks away, everyone goes back to like, oh my God, it's Kenny Reeves. But when he turns around, everyone's like... But it's it's it's,
0: it's that kind of thing, you know, they always say, uh, you know, when Bruce Springsteen and Michael Jackson were at their peak fame, that Michael Jackson couldn't go anywhere without getting mobbed, where Bruce Springsteen could walk in anywhere. And it's because of the way they approached fame. Like Mm. Bruce Springsteen didn't have an entourage, didn't create a fuss. Didn't molest children. Didn't molest children. (laughs) which is important, I believe, <laughs> in currying favour with the public. Uh, but because he didn't create that fuss, like, because when he came out of the cinema, I kind of expected him to just hurry out because there's people leaving and there's going to be a crowd, but he didn't. He took his time leaving. He walked up to, you know, the postcard stand, where, they, you know, people post things for like exhibitions and just took his time, went around that, looked around, got a couple flyers from films, sat down. Like he really occupied the space, just took his time, seemed unfussed, And no one... Hassled him, not even asked for a photo or an autograph. Everyone was like... It's almost like when you see an animal in the wild and you're like, shh, don't scare it.' Yeah. Like, just let it... Let, let it, it be. We're all enjoying watching... Yeah. Don't this spoil che- it. This
1: cheetah. Yeah. Like if some fucking, Don't feed the Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> You'll scare him. He'll flee back and <laughs> Or into, domesticate him. Yeah. He's happy here. Just let him chill. Let him do his own thing. Yeah. I think there is something about him. I'd never... It had never occurred to me when you said this, but... Um so the big the story that started the whole sort of you know everyone sharing their Keanu stories online was of the Sydney cinema experience. Did oh, you wow. see that story? No. I thought of you immediately because of that. When it happened there was a guy who um uh he, who wanted Keanu's signature when he came into a cinema and he told this story online of the idea that he he tried to get him to sign some official form or something for his ticket or whatever. Um and Keanu couldn't quite understand why he needed to do that, and the only reason he was trying to do it was he wanted to get the autograph. Keanu's autograph, but he didn't want to ask him for his autograph. And then anyway, Keanu goes and watches the movie, and then later comes out, and um, uh, there's some there's uh, there's another bit to the story, which is that he. Buys an ice cream or he anyway there's some sort of thing but essentially County comes back to go oh i realize now that you were probably just trying to get my autograph like you yeah. know here's my autograph if you like and it, it, it was a sydney cinema experience as well yeah. so clearly he was just like going to the movies a bunch by himself yeah just does stuff well, by Fox himself
0: studios where they were filming the matrix is just around the corner so you walk up to oxford street and back then there was two independent cinemas But yeah, it was one of those things where I actually, I uh, met a girl who worked on one of the sequels and went on a date with him, him and uh, one of his friends. She and she, I asked if he had a friend and so they went on like a double date, like old school double date thing. And she was saying that like, it was weird because every, again, everyone knows who he is, but no one responds. Like she, you know, they obviously got the best table at the restaurant where they went out for dinner and stuff. But she said there was just this kind of, it's a disarming quality to the whole, like, experience. She never sort of really felt like he was... wasn't like he was... Even the way he asked her out was seemed like a genuine asking out. It wasn't like a, a, a star move of come to my trailer or blah,
1: blah, blah, blah. It was like, hey, would you like to go for dinner somewhere like a normal person would? Yeah, I think that he might have just nailed how to exist. But... You know why, why Will? <laughs> because anytime anyone insults him... <laughs>
0: He takes it as silver lining and realises that that comment is the thing that unifies all of us. I mean,
1: you know what? I know that, you, you, that we're half joking about that, but I feel like pe- perhaps there is an element of that about him because he has experienced so much tragedy in his life. But also the but way
0: he is regarded by critics like people say he can't act you know we all agree that he's not a great actor but for some reason like he's still just so appealing like there's something so great about him
1: yeah and i think that maybe he has a capacity to reframe things yeah like in that way where he's just like well it hasn't stopped him from acting and he keeps making these massive franchises that everybody loves. You know, despite that criticism hasn't put him off. He's experienced in his life a whole bunch of personal tragedy. Yeah. And yet he still seems to be a very grounded... Well, I think you it's know,
0: also... There must be an element too of that. You know, like Kurt Cobain as the face of kind of grunge and, you know, this sort of counterculture movement and stuff. You know, he was able to project this image of being so anti-establishment and stuff. But, you know, he was an ambitious dude who would submit tapes all over town when, you know, Nirvana was starting and, you know, he had a plan for that band. Like he worked as hard, you know, it wasn't like he was just born this fucking artist and the world came to him. Like he worked on that. And you'd have to say the same thing for Keanu. He has that appearance of just being present and floating through life and stuff, but he obviously knows how to pick films that have massive franchise potential. Like there is a skill to that. I think with the John Wick film, That was taken to him, but they didn't have a director attached. And then he took it to his stunt double from the Matrix films and said, I think, you know, we could. So like, this isn't a dude who's just like, you know, floats through life. He's a canny fucking businessman, shrewd at like picking his next move. Obviously has gaps where he doesn't make films at work, but when they fucking
1: work, it becomes like the Matrix or, or John Wick. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, maybe it's that attitude of like, that's how he gets it out. He gets it out through the John Wick. Because, I mean, John Wick is not a guy who chooses to see the glasses half full. (laughs) No, John Wick's not a guy who's like, oh, well, I guess I stole my car and, you know, murdered my dog. But it means I can travel now. Don't have to get a dog sitter. You know, I don't have these possessions that tie me down. Um, Is there an element of that he channels that, like, you know, he can get it all out being John Wick so he can just be cool Keanu in his real
0: well, life it's interesting cause like that- Liam
1: Neeson you know when his wife died since then he's just like I only want to make uh, films where I want to make movies where I can hunt someone down and murder them yeah, because ca- every time I kill somebody on screen a little bit of my anger seeps out and tell anecdotes that is, that upset the entire world <laughs> I'm in a pretty dark place to be honest. You shouldn't interview me. You should just let me hunt people down on film. That's all I'm good for. Well, that is funny because that is the one part of those John Wick films
0: that does make me feel a little uncomfortable is all the gun worship. Like it's undoubtedly like fetishistic towards like gun violence. Treats it like a game and and stuff, but it is a weird thing where like I'm not really into guns or anything like that and definitely not into murdering people. <laughs> uh, but there is something you can't deny how exciting it is to watch and like even the fetishistic nature of the way he uses the gun and can reload them so quickly, and can swap between a shotgun and a, and use them to kill more effectively depending on like
1: all that stuff. I have a problem with, but there's a gloss to it that makes it like really easy to digest. Well, I think it's the gloss to it though. And the hyper realistic nature of it that, cause I'm not into gun stuff either. You know, like my attitude on guns in real life, but also like, yeah, shoot 'em ups are not really things that I'm yeah traditionally interested in. But to me, it's the hyper realistic, like as in it's not as hyper yeah. yeah it's not like Black Hawk Down or anything like that. Yeah, but like the fact that he's killing two hundred people makes it okay to me in a way that killing ten doesn't. Right, it's almost like if you take the joke so far, yeah, you know, it's it becomes fine. ridiculous. It's clearly ridiculous. Yeah, he clearly clearly this isn't real. We're well, setting it in a world that feels real enough but is in no way real. So you've seen the third one then? Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think- At the one. movies, in Gold Class by myself, Keanu Reeves style. style. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went out- As Keanu would have liked. <laughs> and you went out to the guy in the box office afterwards and just signed your name and he's
0: like, what am I going to do that? Like, I, was I was like, like there there you, go, go,
1: mate. you know, what? You know you want it. <laughs> you know. Honestly, I, I don't. No, <laughs> I know what was happening before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume all you people were waiting for me to go. come out you of the You I oh, so, oh, so honestly
0: have for no idea who you are, and we'd like you to leave. All right, I'm just going to sit here,
1: and you can just pretend you're not looking at me. Oh, I know you're all pretending now. <laughs> I'll turn my back, <laughs> go back to being crazy. Oh, I'm calling the police. I get it. I okay. get it. You don't want to be the bad guys, but uh... <laughs> all
0: right. Now I'm in a headlock. Okay. <laughs> well, the silver lining to this is, in a way, we are all victims. <laughs> And we can all be subjugated. And I think that's the thing that unites all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Have we found the philosophy of Tofot, maybe? Um, I,
1: yeah, I watched John Wick by myself, uh, probably the a couple of days after it came out at Gold Class. Yeah. Went and treated myself. I loved it. And I think it was my favourite precisely
0: for the reason you're saying. It's the most unrealistic in terms of the violence. Like, it's almost Roadrunner-esque level violence now. Like it's we can talk i mean it's not a spoiler but that scene where he executes people with a horse
1: (laughs) it sounds so weird but when you see the film you get it i'm like brilliant it was so great yeah i mean and it's clearly got to the point now where you're just like they've they've eased us into the unrealistic nature of what is actually happening to a point where it's believable do you mean as in like or, you you believe it in the world of the movie, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. They've been consistent with how they've kind of meted out the insanity. Yeah. But because a lot of people, the criticism I heard, um, well, specifically uh, Meso <laughs> on the weekly Planet, whereas he was like he was a bit numb to it because he's like it's all a bit ridiculous, and he felt like the first one there was a bit more stakes to the violence, and it, you know, whereas this one is much more cartoony. But that is the precise reason that i think i enjoyed it the most because i i
1: wasn't as uncomfortable with all that kind of stuff but also it, it by its nature has to get more ridiculous because even if you were doing it realistically the idea that like 3 weeks on or 4 weeks on you know cuz that's essentially the time period the movies are set right is like the initial thing happens yeah. and he starts murdering yeah. and then in the second one it's he like basically just continues something. murdering and then this one's like a fortnight later or whatever yeah. and he's still mur- so he's in the murder zone if you were doing that like realistically mm. you'd just be buggered from murdering yeah if nothing else yeah like it's easy to be funny on the first night of the comedy festival it's a lot harder on the like you know, 20th show in a row and i'm sure it's the same thing. how'd you
0: go tonight well i actually murdered. i actually murdered <laughs> oh i agree with a horse no 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 i no, murdered no. him yeah i like, literally murdered him <laughs> got a horse to come kick the front row in the head
1: yeah but like the point is that he would would have been caught by now that yeah. there would this would be front page news everywhere that like you know three hundred people have been murdered so what's in the your, last your, I think the last time we talked like if three hundred people got murdered in the last month, yeah in a city in the same way, yeah. We'd, that'd be every news story on every station. Some and dude every, hijacks
0: a car and like that becomes news for like a couple of months.
1: Right. So some dude slaughtering hundreds of people. Hundreds of people have been death by headshot. Yeah. Death in one month. Yeah. A couple dead by horse. Yeah. M- most of the rest of them by headshot. I mean, if the spring carnival—if they kicked off this spring carnival <laughs> with a recreation like of that like scene from a bunch of of three
0: <laughs> dead, and it's like Winks killed a bunch of dudes. Sweet think. Winx is like, I was framed! Leading Winx to the, the
1: paddy wagon, front hoofs and cuffs. <laughs> or uh, it gets the Melbourne Cup day and it's revealed that one of the jockeys is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and then everybody just starts to panic.
0: <laughs> well, so you, I think last time we spoke about it, you hadn't seen it. So this is probably a good time to. We, we mentioned last. Well, I mentioned last time that has anyone done a. It's the Matrix-averse. Like this is an unofficial sequel to The Matrix. Because-
1: so did you Google that to find out? Because no. I've been, when I've been talking to people about that, because Dave Anthony and I talked about it the other day as well, because, you know, I like to talk about John Wick and the John Wick universe. <laughs> and um, the, the idea that it is in The Matrix, mm. you know, is one of those things that when we were talking about it, we just said, I bet there must be some sort of, Internet theory out there that there is that. Mm. And I haven't bothered looking up whether there is, but I've just assumed that there must be. There must be. So that now I go say to people when I talk about <laughs> it, I was like, you know that internet theory about how John Wick is set in <laughs> the And I'm there. like I, I I let's yeah, okay, let's have a break and we okay. can Google it and I'll um yeah.
2: Hey everyone, it's me again for the next eleven minutes. The boys share stories with each other that they would never broadcast on the show, in the same room with the microphone still recording. They were quite charming anecdotes, and I feel very privileged to have heard them. I heard them, because as you, the faithful listener, already know, I am always
1: listening. Like how cut all that yeah. is. We're back. All that incriminating stuff. <laughs> All right. We'll really know if he's
0: listening. Okay. Um, John Wick. John Wick. So I have found an article. This is from Film School Rejects, our favorite. They're the ones who listed the top uh, 20 time travel films.
1: I, I like the film. I like the Film School Rejects. I, yeah. I often uh, consume their content.
0: Fan Theory Friday is... Now, this was written in 2007. I've also become
1: of late, uh, I've noticed, now that I have YouTube on my TV and I realize how easy YouTube is, and this is very much a the Weekly Planet thing. Like, uh, so, you know, my now... As Charlie famously has always been a fan of the Weekly Planet. And I... You I, always... You say that with such a disdain. No. <laughs>
0: it's something I lord over you. Well, because... I'm the guy who discovered, because like... Because I
1: like it so much now... <laughs> Like, it does, it makes me feel bad that you knew about it heaps before I did. And, like, I was the guy who came into it real late. And I was like, have you guys tried, like, a latte? Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. I, saw like, this, I saw this band of Sex Pistols. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, guys. So disrespectful of authority. <laughs> um, but then, so uh, getting into uh, James's Mr. Sunday movies, uh, it, what do you call it? What do you call a YouTube? The- channel yeah a youtube channel so then there's a whole bunch of other ones that are similar like um, honest trailers and cinema sins and yeah. those sort of things and I find those before bed I often like so you stop watching a tv show like and a bit of like an ease into like you know what I can't commit to another hour of something else but yeah. I'll I'll watch like an honest trailer no, or Cinema Sins or something.
0: Speaking my language, that's all I do. Especially after you've just watched something, to then watch a breakdown of that thing in five minutes with animation, great.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm very loyal to the the small like so I I'm less likely to do that sort of thing of going. He's a you know Captain Marvel, um, Mr. Sunday movies, and now he's a breakdown. He's a honest trailer. He's a blah blah blah. I'll get to there, but then there's like a some other channel that's like. 10 things you might not know about and you're like, I just don't know those people. Yeah. I I don't know if I I want to know what their opinions
0: on things are. Well, I think as James and Nick call them, they're um, big red arrow videos. Yeah. Because the (laughs) thumbnail is always like yellow riding with a big red arrow pointing at
1: something. Things you might have missed or... Um, So, but I've become a bit completionist because you know what I'm like. I end up wanting to watch everything that I've about something. And so now that I'm like deep in like cinema sins where I'm just like watching cinema sins of movies that I have never watched and I've never planned to watch, but I'm just like, oh, well, I've got to watch them all. There's a great one. Do you ever check out Red Letter Media?
0: No. Who, they're the guys who famously did the, um, uh, uh, the Star Wars breakdowns. Have you ever seen? Oh, you would love it. So it's basically these two guys. They, there's a rough like storyline to it. They work in a video repair store vhs repair store and then they will get into like a movie review or whatever but they just sit down and talk about films and it's like literally like what we're doing here just sitting in chairs and they will just talk about a film and it's exactly that it's like well i'm never going to watch that film but i want to watch two funny knowledgeable people break it down for me so that when i have a conversation later i can pretend like i've actually seen it (laughs) but you have like an you've given me an opinion of a film that i didn't have before a film I've never seen.
1: Yeah, that seems like an angle I'd respond to if I watch this film. Yeah. I never will, but yeah. that is now my opinion about this film. I don't have time to have all my own opinions. I've outsourced the idea to. I tend to generally agree with the opinions of these people. So if this is their opinion about that, I've got the gist that I'm not going to suddenly be really backing into a corner how much I love a white supremacist movie where they enslave, <laughs> like, you know, indigenous populations or something. It's got some cool themes. That movie, oh really? Charlie really seems to love that white nationalist movie <laughs> about the incarceration of Indigenous Australians. It's called The Birth of a Nation. <laughs> uh, anyway, ten so, things you may have missed <laughs> in Birth of a Nation.
0: I mean, the CinemaSins counter would be off the chart, wouldn't it?
1: Or is it one of those things where your channel is always just like 10 things that prove the Jews run Hollywood in yeah. Captain Marvel? <laughs> like every movie, but it's just about 10 examples from that movie that the Jews control Hollywood.
0: <laughs> All right. So this is written in 2017. Fan Theory Friday is John Wick 2, a secret sequel to The Matrix uh this is by h perry horton Ooh. welcome back to fan theory friday That's so, unnecessary. I, I was
1: going to say who uh, after you said horton, horton <laughs> and i was like horton here's a who and then it was in my brain and i was like oh you should have just said it it's too late to say it now so instead i'm doing this <laughs> which is getting it out of my head by saying it in this way yeah. horton here's a who <laughs> welcome back to fan
0: theory friday Which you don't need to do. As we've discussed with Film School Rejects, they tend to open their things by stating exactly what you're about to read. We know it's an article on this. We've seen the headline. We searched it on Google.
1: Well, also even just the assumption in Welcome Back. Welcome Back, yeah. Because this is our first time here. So it's not Welcome Back at all. It's Welcome
0: for the first time, Horton. (laughs) Uh, We explore the most ridiculous and ridiculously valid fan theories concerning your favourite films and
1: television okay, shows. Okay, so, but again, this is contradictory. Because if it's Welcome Back, people already know that's the case. But if you feel like you need to explain that up at the top, which is the this is what this is about, then don't say Welcome Back. Because you might be like, you're here for the first time, here are the rules. Hedging. But if it's Welcome Back, everybody fucking knows what they're here for. You hedging don't need hedging to, his
0: bets. He's hedging his bets. Welcome over, Back, what all is he written his, or... Yeah. If you're here for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Here's this what is, we do. This is where we explore ridiculous and ridiculously valid. Does that make sense? Ridiculous? No. Ridiculous? No. Not really. Fan theories is concerning your favorite films and TV shows. This week's outlandish connection comes from writer Tom Guys. <laughs> Tom Guys, which, if you just replace the G with the C and an R, there's Tom Cruise. Do you or- think Tom Guys? That's his pseudonym, is as in he's in disguise. What guise are you under, Tom? I'm Tom Guys.
1: Well, I think it's even more on the nose than that. I think it is Tom D Guys. You know, it's like one of those like <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a Batman villain. Yeah, he's, he's like, a master of like <laughs> he wears different masks. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's Tom Guys. You know, Tom Dis-guy. D Guys. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the big reveal at the end where he signs the like the middle letter, and you are yeah. like, ah, his middle name's D, this. guys.
0: <laughs> uh, this is from Tom, guys, who works over at the Red Bulletin, and it involves the two action franchises held down by the I can never say this word, inimitable.
1: Yeah, you can say that word, Keanu. That's Red. how you say
0: it, inimitable, inimitable. Uh, the Matrix and John Wick. This theory posits that the second chapter of the latter film is a secret sequel of sorts to the former trilogy.
1: Is your mind blown yet? No, because this was the theory that we'd already come up with ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's not really. Ours is, is set in the same universe... And that maybe even that John Wick is a simulation that Neo is currently running. Yeah, he never escaped the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. This is the way that they've got him occupied so he doesn't realise that he's Neo and he has to fucking bring down the Matrix or whatever it is, is they've got him running this simulation where they've given him some simple motivations. Your dog's dead, your wife's dead, they stole your car and now you're just going to be on this constant sort of ever-increasingly level, like a video game where the, the initial level is quite simple and then just as every level goes you have to go to an extra level of difficulty now on the third level you have to murder a whole bunch of people with a horse well
0: the brilliant thing the matrix is all about do we have free will yeah like do you have can you choose your future yeah and the matrix tries to the matrix even in the way it ends (laughs) there is theories that the matrix won because they knew that no matter what happened like you know neo they the matrix wants to be destroyed by neo because then it restarts that's the nature of the matrix so you could argue that in the John Wicker verse that they've planted him in, he also doesn't have free choice. They're going to put all these like obstacles in front of him, and he's going to slaughter them. But it's going to be a never-ending. Like if it was, if he if he was facing any real opposition, he would stop and things would change. But he's just constantly preoccupied fighting more and more people that he slaughters and moves through to the next level. Yeah, it's absolutely it's a video it's
1: video game style. Yeah, that it just gets video in. game on the easy level. But what I'm saying is, it starts on the easy level. But increasingly, so that you don't look around and go, hang on, this is the same thing all the time. It has to get gradually more difficult. But and more- does it? yeah for it, him absolutely.
0: has it gotten harder for him over the three films
1: yeah but this is exactly the example of having to kill people with a horse that's your next level challenge yeah, that you're right. not throwing in on level one that because you know, if you know that on every level you have to have the capacity to kill yeah. a whole bunch of people and with a horse right.
0: and, and he's lost the support of like right. the hotel
1: and yeah you're in a yeah you don't have the initial support you're not in your safe space where you understand the environment suddenly you're in a whole bunch of foreign environments but not only are there ordinary people just like gangsters attacking you but now you've got Higher level assassins who are trained killers who are also attacking you who weren't attacking you in the first level, right? So it's an increasingly difficult level of keeping him one hundred percent occupied on forward momentum in just having to keep killing people because there's no end to this. They haven't given us a point of like, and then when he kills this person, it's all over, and can he just go back? He can never go back to being just. John Wick living in that town where the cop knows him. Yeah. Like it's not like after murdering 300 people and like killing half of the major assassins in the world and whatever, that yeah. he'll be able to just go back and resume his like the life. The Matrix is betting
0: against the fact that he will lay down his arms and go, you know what? There's no point. I'll let the bullets come. I'll let myself die. Or I will just like not fight. That would be his way out of the Matrix. But he can't do it because the threat increases each time and he is responding... I mean, he's got access to all those weapons as well. It's too easy for him. Path of least resistance he's following. You know what I mean?
1: But the other thing is... Just enough challenge. Maybe even the idea that... But the Matrix at the end of the day doesn't want him to lose. Mm. Maybe that's another element. That, no, 100% doesn't want so him to lose. So it's, it's those, some of those things that are incredulous are incredulous by design. So they're meant to feel to him like he's having this like you know, that he is this super assassin who just, by the nature of the fact that he is just better at fighting and killing people, he's better at, than everybody else in the world. He can just deal with all these situations. But the truth of it is that he's never going to lose mm. because he's not a real person. He's a simulation of somebody who's been given a motivation and then an incredible set of skills and is running essentially like a program. It's a, so what's his way out of it though? Is it a psychological shift?
0: I mean, does he have to suddenly... Because, again, I mean, in the world of The Matrix, we apparently have a choice. We can choose to stay in The Matrix or we can choose to see the real world. So what is the thing that is stopping John Wick, in brackets Neo, from waking up from this world? Well, there's
1: got to be a point, right, where he's just like, you know what? I've killed enough people that I'm okay with the dog being dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How many humans does one dog uh, amount to?
1: Yeah, but I mean that—that's kind of the point. Is like that. No, the point. No, when- you know
0: what? Because this is the thing. This is the beauty of it. Is that the thing about bloodlust is it doesn't ever fill you up. Like there is that dopamine rush he gets when he kills someone. That kind of pleasure thing, but it's like a drug of some kind. It's it's a short term hit that distracts him enough that he's not thinking about. Hey, you know what? maybe this is enough people because then there's another person in front of him and he gets another dope. Is
1: it an addict? Well, the other thing is that I would say that the the only way he gets out of it is if the Matrix wants him or needs him to get out of it because otherwise I think this is why it's a perfect scenario for mm. somebody with that mindset and mentality is that you are running an increasingly complicated – Is that me or you? Um oh.
2: Nothing particularly interesting happened during this interruption.
1: Sorry, we're back. We've been a bit interrupted. Normally we interrupted by the Skype dropping out, but having us in the same room has still meant that we've had a couple of interruptions. Yeah, Morpheus
0: in just called us and asked us if we uh, wanted to know what the Matrix was.
1: Yeah, so where were we at? Okay,
0: so this is a theory by Tom Guys, <laughs> Tom D. Guys, Who uh, works over the Red Bulletin. Uh, positing the theory that John Wick Two and The Matrix share the same universe, so then they've put a photo up of the red, the famous red and blue pill shot. Um, it says one of these is AM, one is PM. Choose carefully.
1: I think that's a joke. It's a joke. It took me a while to work it out while you were gone. <laughs> so, so I'm like. What does that mean? So I think it's about um, like a NyQuil or yes. like one of those sort of things and they'll have the daytime tablets and the nighttime tablets. Yeah, I was, while you were gone, I was like, AM, PM, is that yeah. a code for something? Is that Morpheus Punches?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't even work. Morpheus is MP. <laughs> it's not even AM or PM. <laughs> oh, what an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Number one. First and foremost, uh, for the steer to hold any water, John Wick and Neo have to be the same dude. This facet is easy to accept. After all, the characters' fighting styles are similar. Their ease with killing tons of people at once. Their silent and stoic demeanors. Is Neo silent and stoic? There's a slight difference there, right? Neo's more of a, like, a kind of... In the first film, he's a bit more like a babe in the woods. It's all, like, new to him. But I guess in the second and third ones, once he's embraced who he is he's much more stoic isn't he Uh,
1: they certainly have similar characteristics Uh, they're penchant for black like you their knack for not getting shot are you suggesting that i am also a simulation of keanu reeves in the matrix (laughs) yeah because that'd be great this franchise did not do quite as well some of the other simulations didn't work out we we made him this australian stand-up comedian with wonky hips for a while (laughs) he grew bored of that so
0: what's the thing that sort of keeps him in the matrix? Well, he does this stupid podcast with a friend. Is. <laughs> I mean, they don't even know how to describe it. I mean, that is our interminable, that is our endless supply of henchmen. Is this fucking podcast? It's like somehow we're drawn back to this podcast, even though it has no end. It has no sh- what is
1: it? <laughs> it has no reason to it exist. exist. No reason to we exist. are trapped in the matrix of this podcast <laughs> yes. for the last decade. We've wasted. Most human beings probably only get like eight decades of life and we've wasted a whole fucking decade of our lives when we could have been doing productive things stuck in the Matrix of this podcast. Uh,
0: the only problem here is that Neo did all this stuff in the Matrix while John Wick lives in the real world, unless he doesn't, too. Because of what if the world of John Wick Chapter 2 takes place inside the Matrix? So you got to think about it. Yes. This is them well, playing Think okay. About It. I'm just... This is
1: what we'd already thought about. This yeah. is we we jumped straight to two.
0: Yeah, like cr- the crank movies, John Wick has a very video game quality to it, including a protagonist who seems to has have unlimited lives. In the second film, in particular, there are a handful of moments that inject artificiality, like when Ian McShane's character pauses everyone in a park. Oh yeah, didn't think of that. These could be intended as obvious feats of artists from a stylized filmmaker or they could be a glitch in the Matrix. Because they never really explain that, do they? Why everyone pauses in the park. Uh, no. The assumption I thought was they're all assassins and they're all there for the same reasons. But they don't explain that, do I, they? That's what I always read it as being though. But, Because uh, okay. it is a bit like that training sequence in the first Matrix with the lady in the red dress and everyone just stops. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I'm, I like it. And that is something else that we brought up, is in the Matrix and John Wick, bystanders seem to be oblivious to the carnage happening
1: around. Well, them. this is this is part of it, right? Mm. That when you're running a simulation, like you know, because this, got, is, you've got, this um, is my sprites. theory that the matrix is your kind of original universe, and then that John Wick is a simulation that they're running on Neo in the Matrix. Within here, the matrix. Within the Matrix. Yeah. It would be my preferred kind of idea where this yes. goes. So, yeah, therefore, all those sort of supplementary characters, you know, the, the other video game characters, the ones whose job it is to stand around and wait their turn to fight rather than all attack at once. Yeah. Um, that is the nature of their existence that's what they're meant to be and the oblivious nature that he can go through the world without any ramifications about the fact that there is open and blatant fighting on city streets yeah. and all over the place and there is no sort police
0: of, no right consequences nothing um, the only it's explanation like for theft that auto. is
1: that you are in some sort but of even in grand theft auto when you start killing people and stuff the police are right yeah well, there is that scene in John Wick, the original one, where the friendly neighborhood cop arrives. Mm. You know, and he's. And he's and his deep state. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, You're not back uh, working, are you, John Wick? Yeah. And then he looks behind, and John Wick's house is full of dead bodies. <laughs> and he's like, I'm out of here, John Wick. Uh, well.
0: Guys agrees with this because he points out that both films feature oblivious bystanders people who are witness to violence but don't react to it okay like all those wandering pixels in Grand Theft Auto games Mm. it's like bloody Tom Guys has read our minds maybe he listens to the podcast (laughs) that would be the level of the Matrix we hadn't anticipated (laughs) Tom Guys is actually we're we're the simulation Tom Guys is Neo
1: right well or yeah or the Matrix because Tom D. Guys is the sort of name that the Matrix would give randomly generated yeah exactly this is the
0: uh, three. This is the most obvious connection, I think. Thus, maybe the most telltale proof. Morpheus, y'all, in both The Matrix and John Wick Chapter Two, Keanu's character is dependent on the wisdom of an older male mentor, one who prefers the shadows to the spotlight, and one who is also physically proficient as he is mentally. In both The Matrix and John Wick, that mentor is played by Lawrence Fishburne. Coincidence, maybe, but where's the fun in that? Okay, I this one I think is the least convincing. This is just a, a pure casting. This is a, a casting thing. I don't. I think this is more outside of the. This is a filmmaker choice and less a story choice.
1: No, I think it, I don't. I, really? I actually think that like when you're running a matrix on somebody, like if you're trying to trick somebody, <laughs> yeah, it's an NRL players do. Like you know, it's a. It's not as bad as what they used to run on people. It's it's a simulated, it's a matrix. No, when you're running a matrix on on someone, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna matrix them, yeah. I think it would be easier rather than, so say for example, I was going to matrix you Don't. and I was going to put you in a simulation where like you had to run like some, the easiest way to do it is to only change details of your life a little bit so that your body and brain and all these things aren't constantly fighting. If I make you diametrically opposite to what you already are and make it so far away from the existence that you already li- yeah. live in, then you're going to be your original you is going to be constantly fighting with this idea that the new you isn't really you, right? Whereas if the character, the new character, is just a heightened version or a sort of it has familiarities of your real world built into the actual world, mm. your brain when that sees that person will sort of go, oh yeah, that person looks familiar, that like thing looks familiar, this sort of so the fact that the characters are similar is on purpose because you don't want to make the John Wick character, you know, for Neo too far away from Neo. For, all right. And then you put Lawrence Fishburne in, like he's there in his brain. Like the it, Matrix. It's like it's, a motif for like It's not Morpheus. And, yeah, I know. It's the Matrix creating a Morpheus like character. Yeah. That Keanu can kind of use as an anchor to this is the universe in which I live. I would bind more if they
0: had a scene in which John Wick says something like, I feel like we've met
1: before. Oh, isn't that, cause Do you is, need that sort of on the nose story? Oh, it? on the nose storytelling They've cast the same fucking actor. That's yeah, but the isn't that enough? Shouldn't that be the visual symbol you need to make the assumption? You well, don't, you don't also need John Wick to suddenly turn to the, that he goes, I feel like I've, uh, Meet you before I just in, well, in I, a different place. I reckon, and then Lawrence Fishburne turns to the camera and winks. Well, I reckon it's too on the nose already. By your thinking, if this
0: is actually what it is, it's the Matrix in, injecting a, a familiar face in. I think it's so on the
1: nose already. Like, why not come out and literally say it? Like, if that's the reason. No, no, I think it's got to be more mystery. Like, you know, more a sort of oh, well, that makes sense now that we know what the reveal is, but you know, at the time doesn't. I think the joy of the reveal that if it was a simulation is that they haven't signposted that that's where they're going you know like there isn't those moments where you like in retrospect you go oh yeah okay all the clues are there they use that line you know in parabellum guns i need guns lots of guns you know like there's been a few clues along the way a few moments where if you're watching like that glitch in the matrix Mm. so a few glitches all we've got is a few glitches in the Matrix, the clue you into the idea that this is the Matrix and it's not. But even in the Matrix, the first film, when he
0: has a moment of deja vu, he acknowledges that moment of deja vu. So why is it suddenly on the nose for him in the John Wick verse? Like when he sees the black cat. Because
1: this is not a Matrix movie. This is a John Wick movie that will later be revealed to be a Matrix movie. Or maybe if it were what you're a Matrix movie, this, this this new world the Matrix has created is so
0: sophisticated that deja vu you don't have deja vu.
1: Well, it's more sophisticated and how they've made it more sophisticated is by making, giving him those, in my storytelling, by by using those signposts. They've, they've discovered that if they give them Lawrence Fishburne, like if he, he sees Morpheus there, if he gets these familiarities of, you know, his other world, that is more likely to stop the deja vu from happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense because he's not, there isn't a like in the first
0: matrix there's a nagging sense that something's yeah. not right
1: the deja vu came from the idea that it was too far away from the reality of the other thing and they just yeah you know, so you know like the glitch in the matrix is coming from you're charlie an actor but in the matrix you're charlie the fireman right and your brain is like
2: but i've never been a, a fireman, fireman. I, that doesn't make yeah, yeah, something that's not right something's that's where the glitch comes from yeah, yeah whereas
1: if i go charlie clausen you're a comedian rather than an actor now it's closely You're like oh well that sort of uh, the I, same I hang field. out with comedians and i have a podcast and all these things seem to make sense
0: all right so does that mean that neo john wick whatever it just say they have to keep making matrix just so he breaks out of the john wick one and I have to create him a yeah. new one is he always a killer of some kind uh, a a uh sophisticated like a
1: sophisticated murderer yes from now on but it, then it's revealed that all the previous Keanu Reeves movies he were was... Matrix simulations. So they started with like making him a guy, go- you know, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was like a that was simulation a, that, that, from that, the Matrix. Oh, hang on. Well, how long have we
0: done? This sounds like a <laughs> crossover episode.
1: I, I have no way of knowing because we left it recording when we were not recording. But let's just say.
0: Because what we can do. Around is- an hour. Okay. Well, let's. I reckon we just take maybe read a couple letters because I do. We never got to the list of the Keanu films. Okay. But I think we can go through that list. We will take a little break, come back, and we can see if we can. If this theory is true, which I love, that every Keanu film has been a step in the Matrix as they've to find the perfect environment. Yeah, to keep keep Neo in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll do that after. Okay. So, uh, I'll read a couple of uh, uh, T-mails. What do we call them? Like, what are ordinary emails called? There's something like from the sack, Tales from the Sack or something. What did Michael come up with? I can't remember.
2: It was the community sack, Charlie.
0: We'll read some ordinary non-sticker book letters and then we can get to some award-winning correspondence. Okay. This is from Bronwyn. Hey, Charlie and Will. uh, A while back, Will asked for... Have I read this before?
1: (laughs) Are you feeling some sort of glitch?
0: I feel like I am. Hang on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. We read this last time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I forgot. I didn't delete. All right, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> this is from Phoebe. <laughs> uh, date night at 27. Okay. It's the long weekend and I cancelled a date night choosing to have a bath and listen to you to whack jobs instead. I'm convinced that I made the right decision. Fun fact. Will... I once gave you a cake at the comedy store which you took on stage and made the entire audience pity my efforts. <laughs> do you recall that?
1: No, but sounds like the sort of thing I do. <laughs> in- there was a period of time in my career where I got, because I mean, I often do talk about how much I like cake. and yeah. um, Famously ate cake for a week or something, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I ate an entire cake in one radio oh, show. In my
0: head, it's like a of cake. <laughs> Right. that would have been better yeah
1: but i tried to eat an entire like lemon meringue like cake that you would find at a cafe like you know yeah. it's normally probably eight serves of dessert for whatever <laughs> and i tried to eat it all within three hours of a radio show and nearly died it's the closest <laughs> i've come to dying I did it put you off lemon meringue forever not forever it's turned out right. i'm back but um there was a period oh 20 years probably oh really yeah well, that's. Probably, I've only recently gone back to it. That's the
0: equivalent of like your dad catching you smoking, so making you yeah. smoke an entire. Like, <laughs> I mean, carton. it
1: really did work, apart from the fact that for two hours I had to lay on a bed and sweat <laughs> and shake from the sugar, and just go. This must be like when I watched Train Spotting, all I can remember was <laughs> saw how a I fell. Crawling across <laughs> the wall. I saw a lemon meringue pie crawling across the wall. <laughs> it was yeah, full on, but um. Yeah, there was a period of time where people would leave me leave me cakes. which baked, was Baked goods. Well, nice. it sounds like Phoebe was one of those people. Uh, in my
0: date night bath, I was thinking about my recent decision to quit my corporate law job with the intention of moving to Holland to be a bum and then study my master's. Most people are telling me it's a fantastic move because it's, a, it's terrible to live with regret of the wish I did that whoops, it's too late now moment. Have you guys had those moments in life? And if so, what were they? Wish I, well, we talked about it. French. You wish you'd learnt French.
1: Yeah, but also, I, I think that I would have loved to have, you know, looking at those sort of things, I would like to, um, and maybe that's a thing that I could still do, but mm. at some stage I would like to live in a country where they don't speak English as their first language. I think that would be a thing that I would enjoy doing. Like, you know, and it, for me, it probably would be somewhere like Paris or whatever, but, but it wouldn't necessarily have to be somewhere in Spain or something like that. I kind of like the idea of just going and living in a place where you're the the outsider and mm. um, I, I quite like that. Um, the, the one that I, and I think this is what it comes from is I wish I'd traveled as a traveler, as a young person. Right. Like, I, I wish I'd done that sort of thing of like, you know, just having a backpack and go country to country and, you know travel around the world a bit i I regret not having done that i'm too old and my hips hurt too much to to do that now i think i have lots of regret i regret everything um but
0: i think what i regret now living in sydney growing up a melbourne boy but living in sydney i am very envious of people who surf surf
1: yep i regret not learning to surf definitely
0: like i just think i mean i um, now i feel like i mean i probably could learn to surf but i just have too much fear and responsibility and stuff to involve myself in something that could get me eaten or drowned and I'm not a great swimmer that was the thing that always put me off surfing is that I'm not a super strong swimmer and I there's something about being like every time I've been dumped and held under it's like the most terrifying moment and I never was able to kind of get past that fear of like well you're gonna get dumped and you just get used to it it was it was too big a hill to climb for me too big a wave to swim under
1: yeah, no, I, uh, I think surfing that's a that's a really good choice. I get very
0: envious with my mates. That just get up early on their own and go off for a surf. It like, must be just the best feeling. Like if Keanu reached, <laughs> <it'll> be anything. <laughs> it's like surfing's the sauce, man. It'll change your life.
1: Swear to God. I mean, we're going to get back to it, but Point Break is a classic example of how that definitely feels. That movie feels like a Matrix simulation. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, put a a pin
0: in it. That'll be in part two. All right, uh, let's go to some Patreon messages. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, By the way, just to update people, um, last week I uh, I called out our uh, resident professional wrestler Dan Dan Dewalt for not sending us his uh his promo, his his what do you call him? Uh, yeah, it's promos. promo. Yeah. So he messaged us on Twitter to say it's coming. So I'd like to see it, Dan.
1: Because I don't think you got the guts. Right, well <laughs> No, don't get me involved in your like I know you're trying to get in the spirit of wrestling, but yeah. I I'm more in the spirit of not, you yeah, know, if we're asking one of our <laughs> listeners to do something for free that we shouldn't be mean to them first. At least until we get it.
0: All right, this is from Tal. Hey, Will and Charlie. Obviously, on the Tof- obviously on Tofop, the rug of time travel gets a good shaking out with every possible avenue explored, in this timeline at least. Wink. Nah, that's the equivalent of a wink. Anyway, <laughs> I liked it. I saw this video from NASA saying we are going to be on the moon to stay from 2024. Not me, thanks. I'd rather keep my feet where I'm in correct relative gravitational proportion. Tal. Tal, we're not quite smart enough to get these jokes. I had to like think about it, but I appreciate it. Anyway, if you had the chance to travel to the moon... Okay, this is more our speech. Dumb it down a little, Tal. Start with the gravitational jokes.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa professor. Egghead.
2: <laughs>
0: Anyway, if you had the chance to travel to the moon or beyond, mm-hmm. would you take it? What would you pack and what difficulties would you see arising? I know Skype <laughs> to do the podcast is hard while you're on the other side of the world, let alone planets. And he's attached to the video, which we won't watch. And he lives in Australia, so he's potential to get a sticker pack. <laughs> Thanks for all the goose and gags, Tal. All right, um, let's just say the moon, for argument's sake. If you had the chance to travel to the moon, not a one way trip would you go for what purpose uh you're a celebrity like virgin are now doing like regular moon trips Mm. they want to like they're going to take a bunch of you like famous people no thanks to the moon all right it's based on on that alone (laughs) you and hot
1: dogs (laughs) we'll be in the front row the the fact that myself fiona O'Loughlin, hot dogs steve (laughs) price (laughs) uh i what okay let's start with you start, uh, like, would you would you go depends. they're like charlie uh you I mean got, if, you've got the fitness level uh yeah. you've got the charisma uh we need to it's a how long does it take to get to the moon i think three days three days okay so it's a week it's a round trip okay or how long are you staying there for uh i reckon three days
0: Street a weekend. Yeah, The flight that you leave on Monday, you arrive like sort of Thursday night, right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. It's, doing, like I, you're I don't, doing, so. it's a music festival. You're right. doing MoonCon. Yeah. Not MoonCon, Moonfest.
1: Yeah, basically two weekends and a week in between. Yeah, it's coachella
0: That's- on the moon.
1: <laughs> well, all right. Well now I'm interested. <laughs> uh you guys we- going to Moonchella? It's great. It's really good. I Aquí- can't.
0: It depends what the journey is like there. If, if we're talking like right now, what I'd have to go through in terms of like the training, and you know, it's still extremely dangerous to strap yourself to a, an explosive and fly to the moon. I, I don't think I, I'm not very good with things that spin around. I can't go on rides at the Royal Melbourne show that spins that make me vomit. So I think all the G force and stuff. But if it was like it's a, essentially a three day plane ride. You know, we've developed technology, or we go at such a pace that you're not going to feel sick. Then, yeah, I'd be very up for
1: it. I, yeah, definitely. If if I if the travel there was convenient, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have no real desire to do it. But I guess if the opportunity arose, you'd just be like. Well, I guess I probably you're should. you got to right? have to, right? Well, that, that's... It. But isn't that what it'd be like? I'd be like, yeah, I'd begrudgingly go to the moon. <laughs> Yeah. They've literally oh, selected. Fuck. They're taking 17 people from the
0: planet Earth. <laughs> Six billion like, people. I guess I should. And you're just dragging your I fucking this heels. I guess a good
1: opportunity. <laughs> Hands in your pockets. I don't really want to. <laughs> Kicking to be the honest, dirt. But like, I guess... I kind of... I felt like I should. They offered me and it's like... And then once I was... Like once it was happening... You'd love I'd it. I'd love it. Yeah. I'd be like... I would hate anything up to it. I wouldn't sign up for it. But once I was up there, I'd be like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And um, then and then I'd be like, I'd come back from the moon and I would not be able to stop banging on about how good the moon <laughs> was.
0: You and I are exactly the same because I'm like that anytime I'm invited to a destination wedding. I'm like, oh uh. Like, it's bad enough I've got to come watch you fucking declare your love to each other. Do I have to actually fucking like find the time and buy a fucking ticket and spend money on accommodation and I'm going to be trapped with you people for the whole fucking week or weekend or whatever it is. Oh, God. But then I get there and I always have a really
1: good time. <laughs> this place is great. Yeah. We, we should do this every weekend. We are, man, let's do this every weekend. But it's
0: just the thought of it. I can't stand. So if you can take that away from me or maybe, all right, how about this? Yeah. They haven't improved the technology. It's still like a rattly tin that flies up. It's fairly uncomfortable you know, in a lot of uh, room. But they can drug me for the 3-day trip like hyperbaric chamber or whatever it is you know where they cry, 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 cryogenically freeze me or something I shit. think that that's wasn't it was <laughs> like if you're going to do it you might as well do it right? 3 days in a fucking rattling tin can
1: oh you haven't answered that would you do it in the rattling tin can like currently yeah i mean if the here's the thing i have no desire to do it it's not like in my area of interest or whatever but if they came to me and they were like, we're offering this opportunity. And now with today's technology, they're like, it's going to be three months. Like you have to do some training and shit. But like, you know, we're not going to make you fly it or anything. You're a passenger. You're an observer. We want you to go up and, you know. How about this? The reason they give you
0: is that zero gravity is great for hips. Your hips. Your hips. And they feel like they can fix your hips like permanently, but you've got to go to outer space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's worth it. But got you've got to, to go I,
0: through all the training, g force training. I
1: would fucking crawl through the fucking <laughs> shit tunnel at the end of Shawshank if someone could fix my hips. Like, space, absolutely. My hips feel great and I've got a good view. <laughs> yeah. Now, I would like to, I don't want to be knocked out because I reckon the moon's the worst bit of it. Who gives a shit about the moon? like do you know what (laughs) I mean like (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson starts just a tear rolls down his cheek (laughs) it's like a giant like it's just like a giant golf ball or whatever like yeah like after the bouncy bit like being able to bounce up and down the best bit is the journey yeah it's about the journey man not about the moon I I reckon I'll stay awake for the first to say it takes
0: fucking you want to say it take off 24 hours yeah so definitely want to say it take off so I, I get to see earth from yeah. like the upper atmosphere, you definitely want space. to say that. And okay. I see, th- and I see the moon, the sun yeah. cresting over. Yeah. You know, I see that in my. Like, and then, like, catching great fellas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to t- catch you in catch you in 48 hours. I'm taking a cryo nap.
1: But I believe it would be like a plane journey. Like it's like you, yeah. As you're flying in or out of Sydney, yeah. you'll have a look out the window because it's a beautiful view on the way in, yeah. in or out. Yeah. But once you're up above the clouds, yeah, you, just, you just put on marley and yeah. me. Exactly. <laughs> it's like time to watch Red Dog. <laughs> Cry. <laughs>
0: I mean, imagine how heightened the emotions would be there <laughs> like
1: on the way to. And I like they say that like two drinks, like a drink in the air is worth two on the ground. Yeah. I wonder what that's like in space.
2: Oh, that's true.
1: <laughs> imagine you're halfway to the moon. You know, you're three or four vodkas in, and you're watching Red Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so that's
0: a big uh, yes from Will and I. Well, uh, if if well, the
1: opportunity arose, but I'm not going to pursue
0: it. Okay, this Josh writes in uh, with no address, so we'll just read it, but. We'll have to go to someone else. Hey, guys. After realizing that 50% of my podcast listening is your content, ToeFop, Two Guys, Philosophy, I decided it's only fair I give you some support. Also, thank you, Will, for converting me to a Bulldogs fan, I think. Cheers for all the pods, Josh. Be like
1: Josh. He likes the podcast. He supports the show. And how do you do that, Will? Uh, go to patreon.com slash ToeFop and you know, support it at whatever level you feel appropriate. But it supports all our podcasts. So, yeah. philosophy. There's a new FoeFop even uh uh, this week, so with Dave if want, Anthony. If you want some more John Wick talk, it sounds like. Exactly, yeah, there's definitely, so, there'll be some crossover. <laughs> It'll feel like they're set in the same universe, Charlie. Uh, this is from Aang. In fact, that buys into the theory that this is our matrix. Yeah. And that, so I'm in so a different... There's diff- little mo- things yeah, of rec- right? It all feels familiar. Yeah. It's like, but I don't think it was Charlie I was talking to. I feel like it was Dave <laughs> Anthony that I was talking to. This is from Aang, Haywell and Charlie.
0: Love the podcast. Long time listener since ep one. Confession time, though. I'm not a big fan of the superhero films. Please don't stop reading it, Charlie. I've seen maybe Half of Thor, uh, but I, uh, I think I've seen Half a Thor movie. But don't think for one minute that this has in any way taken away from the immense enjoyment I get from listening to your countless hours of you two discussing those films, which is just like we talked about with CinemaSins and Red Letter Media. Sometimes hearing two idiots talk about a film you haven't seen is very entertaining. A few years ago, I bought some great Tofop merch, available on Redbubble, uh, designed by James Fosdyke. And if you like James Fosdyke's work, Will, well, we are going to love Patreon. You can sign up for any amount, from $1 to whatever you can afford. And there's a heap of bonus content, including comic strips, Quantum Cop, which I write with James. Everyone relax where James takes uh, some of our conversations and turns them into comic strips. A bunch of other great stuff, behind-the-scenes photos. Was that a nicely... That's was
1: good. I loved it. You liked it? Yep. Until you did that bit. <laughs> If you just moved on without mentioning that that's what you're doing, it would have been perfect. (laughs) A few years ago, I bought some great TOEFOT merch. It was the Fofengers t shirt, Mm.
0: a fantastic illustration from Foz with Dave Anthony as Hulk, Will as Captain Australia, Jen Kirkman as, well, see, point above about my lack of knowledge of the franchise. She was Black Widow, Gareth was. What was Gareth? Tony Stark?
1: Daniel Sloss might have been... Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Uh,
0: she says you might have to Google to get the other characters depicted. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah. I
1: think Gareth was Hawkeye. That ah,
0: you? that makes more sense. So who was Tony Stark? Yeah, Daniel Sloss was okay. Iron Man. All right. Anyhow, fast forward to now, Avengers Endgame has come out. And now, when I wear it, hip young things, who obviously have just quickly scanned it and assumed it's the real Avengers, compliment me on my... Cool shirt. <laughs> Compliments through trickery. I love it. <laughs> I am way too old and boring to be wearing cartoons on my shirts, <laughs> but I still wear it with pride as it is from my favourite podcast. What fivefold? What tenfold?
1: Amen. It's good point. <laughs>
0: so I just wanted to thank you for the countless hours of free entertainment, and now also for my unearned cool points. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Ang, Queensland. Do we, she gave us a. I mean, the moon thing was good, but Anne gave us a massive
1: compliment. I mean, is it she gives us a compliment? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, or at least me. Well, she I said it it's her favourite podcast. Yeah, but you weren't. In, you weren't really included in the t shirt. In fact, the whole story is about a t shirt that you're not in. Well, you know what? So Ron? it was a good compliment for me, but and James Foster. <laughs> Well, rather than... Foss and I have got a real good compliment out of that. <laughs> but if anything, Charlie, she said her highlight of any of this <laughs> is when you're not involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll look at that and I'll see that, yeah,
0: the way I'm being excluded from something that I created pretty much and a lot of the content, in fact, you know, the fact that she even has a FossDike t shirt has a lot to do with me. I'm going to take that as, <laughs> you know, a sign that we're all unified by the fact that we are all excluded from things from time to time. And in a way, we all suffer. And so by bringing that up, she's made me more empathetic. So I thank you for that. Uh, I'm
1: Charlie Clawson. (laughs) It would have worked really well if you hadn't done it so passively, aggressively. (laughs) I'm Will Anderson.
0: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.